Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Wendy. And welcome to the Toasted Toast Marshmallow, Marshmallow Adventures Podcast. Podcast. Today in the studio, we've got Madison Thomas. <laughs> she is a co-worker of mine at Intermountain Hospital. We're both psychiatric technicians. Um, I guess I just told the story of how we met <laughs> at work. Yeah. Usually that's how we start them. Um, now, before, I guess let's start, like, how'd you end up at Intermountain Hospital? Um, I was a CNA for four or five years, but I always my whole life wanted to be a counselor, drug and alcohol counselor. Um, so when I got my bachelor's, it was just time to leave and do something else and go into psych and psych tech was available. And my friend Amy, who used to work at Intermountain Hospital, shout out to Amy, uh, got me a job there and I went. Oh, nice. So, so is that because I don't talk to Amy or except for at work, but so she doesn't work there anymore? Not anymore. Oh, okay. Just for medical stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Cool. So you said you wanted to be a drug and alcohol counselor? Yes, I okay. I did. Uh, just basically based off, you know, my own personal experiences, um, families, environments, and uh, just wanting to help people. Mm. I think the best way to help somebody is to understand their situation and have empathy. So mm. that'd definitely be a region yeah. in therapy to do that. Mm. So you want to do that because of your own experiences with drugs oh, here's dipper oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh yes um i'm very experienced in drugs and alcohol so are you so. going for drugs and alcohol the that's my degree i got health sciences with minor in alcohol and drug studies i was gonna rehab oh, nice alcoholics is that what you're going for or something else um, I just want to get the licensing, but I'm getting my master's right now in social work, so I can kind of do whatever I want to do if I find out I really don't enjoy doing drug and alcohol. So your counseling. bachelor's is in uh, addiction psych. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's from where? Uh, SNHU, oh. Southern New Hampshire University. Oh, okay. it's an online school. Oh, okay, so I was like, BSU didn't offer anything <laughs> like that when I was going. That's different. Nice. Hi. Awesome. So let's talk about this. Your own experiences that Duchess has entered the building. Yes, she has. She's under the table. You cannot see yeah. her, but we're like Hi moving there. cords. So she, she always be here. a little is, companion. Yeah, She's very friendly. She might lick your legs. That's yeah. okay. I love dogs. Yeah. Um, so I guess we start from the beginning that I can remember. Um, I took my first sip of alcohol. I think I was nine, and it was by accident. Mm. I was at a Fourth of July party with my parents, and my parents drank and partied growing up, mostly my dad. Uh, but uh, we were at a Fourth of July party, and they had red solo cups everywhere, and I was looking for my juice. You know, I'm like nine years old, <laughs> and I took a sip of something. It burned my throat. I remember it was alcohol because I've smelt it before. You know, mm -hmm. um, and that was my first experience with anything. And then fast forward to teenage years. I was like 13 or 14. My cousin threw a, her sweet 16 at my uncle's house and we were a bunch of teenagers partying. My mom was there supervising, my aunt was there supervising, <laughs> teenage party. But I went downstairs with my cousins and they were sneaking me shots because I was way too young. I mean, we were all way too young to be drinking, but um, I was like the youngest person there. I was a baby. I took like four shots of vodka and At felt nine? funny. No, I was 14. Oh. 14. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> didn't like it got sick whatever but it kind of opened me up to other things i started hanging out uh with the bad kids i guess you could call them they're always getting in trouble and we were just doing whatever we wanted to do i was pretty rebellious as a teenager my mom i don't know she survived it that poor woman but um 
I had friends that smoked weed. I smoked weed for the first time at 14. Um, and then it just kind of, I just met other people and you go to parties and people have pills and coke and ecstasy and just all kinds of stuff. And I was young on experiments, so I tried everything. I got into hallucinogens. I, I've done every drug you could probably think of. So did you make it through high school? I did, surprisingly. Wow. Uh, surprisingly you graduated on time and everything mm -hmm. wow. i did i did With so were you addicted to anything at that point yes so i started really partying at 15 16 you know going to high school parties um but my home life wasn't that great uh, aside you know and also including teenage hormones and angst so it was just not a good combination um it was very abusive violent my dad was an alcoholic so there was always liquor in the house and I was always drinking it. Um, I'd go to school with like, you know, water bottles full of vodka and be drinking it in class, like just going the hardest. But at the time I was so young, I was just like, oh, I'm just being young and rebellious. But I didn't realize, oh, I'm developing an addiction really early to cope with mental illness and emotional trauma that I was going through at the time. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> I didn't really, I didn't really have huge consequences for my drinking and drugging until I became an adult and I started drinking and driving mm -hmm. and I started spending all my money on alcohol or drugs, whatever was available at the time. Mm -hmm. And it just slowly escalated. But even at 18 years old, I still was like, okay, well, I'm just young and being dumb and all my friends have DUIs. My dad has a DUI, you know, you kind of justify it in your head because yeah. mm -hmm. you're, you're ignorant to what's, or in denial of what's going on. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, this is the way it is. Oh, I went to jail. I'm out. You know, because all my friends are in and out of jail. Yeah. You know, so I was just like, oh, I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. Or Did you end up in jail? Oh, yeah. I went, to, I've been to jail four times. Actual jail or juvie? Uh, jail. Actual jail. Um, I actually never went to juvie, oh. surprisingly. Um <laughs> I don't know how I <laughs> surpassed <lucky>. that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I went to jail first time at 18, got a DUI, told in my car, crashed into a parked car, drunk wow. as hell, had a whole bottle of bourbon, drinking still reserves, you know, those, oh, those big boy cans. drinks. Yeah, and um, I thought I could drive home, so I wanted to go to bed, and uh, I could not drive, <laughs> obviously. I'm, I'm just thankful I didn't kill anybody. Yeah. And I... And no one was in the car with me. Mm. And no, and the car I hit was parked, so obviously no one was in the car. Um, I'm lucky, though. And even at that age, I was like, I could have killed somebody. Yeah. That's scary. But even at that time, I was just like, oh, it's fine. I'll just, I'll just plead guilty and just deal with it. Yeah. Move what was on. your family doing at that point? Did they support you? or I mean... When I was 18? Yeah, and you were getting into trouble. Were they trying to help you, or were they not there? Um. So, I grew up with an alcoholic father and um at about 16 uh my dad and i had a lot of problems he was uh very abusive to me and my mother and um i was acting out because of that and so at about 16 17 years old i got tired of the abuse and i ran away from home so i was kind of on my own i was living with a family that I considered like a foster family. 
and they were alcoholics as well. So, um, at the time, you know, my mom did the best she could. She was dealing with the divorce. She was raising my little was brother. Was she drinking or no? She drinks, but she's not. She's not an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. Like she drinks once a week on the weekends, you know, yeah. and whatever, you know, and she deserves it. But it's, mm-hmm. but my dad would drink every night, go to the bar, come home drunk, pick fights with me, pick fights with my mom. So he, the abuse was more like physical abuse. Yeah, it was, it was verbal, emotional and physical at Mm -hmm. times. So I just, and I was just angry, you know, and, um, I wasn't easy to deal with either. So my mom was juggling that and me and raising my little brother. So, uh, she, when I was living with this other family, she was like, okay, I want you to come back home or like, you doing okay? You know, my mom is a saint. She's always been there for me, even at the worst and we'll get there. But um, yeah, but around the time when I was 18 and I got my DUI, um, I remember my mom knew I was partying a lot. She's like, you go to jail? I'm not bailing you out. I was like, I don't expect you to, because I'd be, I'm an adult. Yeah. Went to jail. I did call her from <laughs> jail, drunk <laughs> as hell. I was like, hey, mom, I'm in jail. She's like, what'd you do? I was like, uh, I got a DUI. I told her what happened. She's like, well, you know what I said. I'm not bailing you out. I was like, that's fine. I had, you know, a random boyfriend who bailed me out the next day. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. Um, but there was a couple of times, too, when I was 18, I'd call my mom and be like, hey, I'm at a party and I don't want to drive or I, I don't ride and I'm really drunk. She's picked me up a few times, but after a couple of times, she's like, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. It's almost every night and you're just doing stupid shit and it's not, it's not cohesive with me. You know, she wasn't happy yeah. with me, but it wasn't to a point where she was like, I'm done with you. You yeah. know, she was just like, I'm done doing this. So I was like, okay. Um, so 19, I'm on probation for the DUI. Mm-hmm. I meet my now ex-wife and she's, I was 19, she was 34 or 35 and um, she lived in Meridian. Well, it was like a saving grace at the time for me because I was living at my neighbor's house. I had no car. So are you from this area? I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like Boise or? Uh, born and raised here in Nampa. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sheesh, that's unusual. Yeah. Right? Seems like it. Seriously. Yeah. Everyone's from somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I am a purebred Idahoan. <laughs> like three Not generations or here. two generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorry. Mm. No. Is all your it's family cool. still here? Yeah. Well, so I, my mom's side, my rural dad's family's from England. And then my dad, the one that was an alcoholic who raised me, um, his family's... Is he your biological? No. Oh. No. Yeah, so I, it's not a genetic thing. I mean, or maybe it is. Um, I th- My grandpa, my mom's dad, uh, was an alcoholic, but he's been sober for over 30 years. Yeah, I don't think it matters. So yeah. I, I think environmental influences are a big part. Yeah. It's all these things. But, yeah, I mean possibly so um but yeah I've, and i've always had a problem with drinking even when i was a teenager my friends would be like maddie you drink too much mm. i'm like well you know my life kind of sucks so um but i've i've learned to realize when it's getting too much and be like okay this 
can potentially be a big problem. Yeah. So you should probably, you know, take a few steps back, talk to a therapist, do what you need to do to help yourself. You got to help yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to advocate for yourself. Um, but when I was 19, I met my ex-wife and she lived in Mountain Home. Her family did, but she lived in Meridian when we met. And we moved to Mountain Home and we were together for about two years. We, we had a whole wedding, everything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't legal back then. Oh, it was yeah. like 2012. Oh, okay. Um, and I didn't know that she was on meth the whole time. And uh, we drank all the time. Yeah. Same shit. She hid it from you the whole relationship? The whole time. Oh, sorry. I did sorry. not know because she worked graveyard shift and I worked during the day. So I'd be waking up in the middle of the night. She's awake. So I'm like, oh, you know, she's it's just the graveyard, you know, sleeping pattern or whatever. But then I started looking. I was like, she ain't sleeping at all. She's mm-hmm. doing weird shit, you know? <laughs> We're not doing couples things anymore. We're not mm-hmm. really talking anymore. And she's super withdrawn. But, um, you know, we broke up or divorced, whatever you want to call it. And um, we threw a party. And it was like New Year's Eve going into 2013, I believe, if I'm correct on my timing. Um, and. Um, a bunch of people from the party that were there went into my roommate's room and the next morning they were still here at my house and I'm in the bathroom and she comes in we're broken up at this point I'm about to move out but she's like hey you want to smoke and I was like what weed like okay she's like no shit and I was like meth do you mean meth then she was like yeah and I was like okay I have to lose. Like, I'm in a weird. Oh, shoot. I'm in a weird home she's, situation. She's oh, hooked on a cord. <laughs> and action. Okay. Um, where was I? Okay, meth. Yeah. So instantly addicted to meth at 19. Mm. Got another bag that same day. Smoked it all super quick. It goes by quick. Mm. Um. At this time, I had a really good job, and I was going to that job high, trying to act normal. Mm-hmm. I dropped 80 pounds in, like, three or four months. Did you have it to give? The weight? Weight. Oh, yeah. I was, I was, I've always had struggles with my weight. I was, I've always been, like, chunkier or, like, overweight or, like, a little extra I love, you know, but... um when I dropped the 80 pounds, like I looked like Skeletor. I remember I haven't seen my family for months and I went to, it was like Easter and I went to go see them and I was so skinny and I'm tall. So like a size seven pant on me is like really small. So I went to go see them and they're like, are you hungry? Do you want some food? Cause I, and I lied to them and I told them I've been so sick this past month. I haven't been able to eat been sleeping like shit blah 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 i've just been depressed you know because i have mental illness too like i have depression and anxiety and bipolar whatever i didn't know that at the time though Mm -hmm. i was just like oh i just been super sad so um were you like the family member that when you showed up people were like oh shit like something bad. <laughs> Were you that person? I mean, seriously. I mean, just yeah, to be like, because there's always one. Yeah. Because I have that in my family. When they show up, you're like, oh, fuck. 
Like, oh my were you God. that? I mean, had you gotten to that, or were you just like, oh, hey, she's a good time? Um, yeah. I think at the time it was kind of like that because I was such a little shit as a teenager, and I was just. I mean, so... I kind of feel like if you had shown up to my house, I would have been like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> if you were a mess, right? And I totally could see it. Oh yeah, I was a mess, and yeah. um. Yeah, yeah, you were actually right. Did your family know at this point or have suspicions? Um, I think they had suspicions, but like before, before my addiction was out on the table for everybody to see, uh, my mom was just super unaware about what addiction is, what the lies, stories we tell. Of your dad. Uh, yeah, and because um, he was a drunk, I, drug addict and a drunk well. are kind of different. Yeah, so it's different behaviors, you know. Like when someone's drunk, you know, mm-hmm. there's no hiding it. But drug addicts can hide it very well, um, but only for so long, you know. And uh, Did, had your mom at that point like seen your dad as an alcoholic or no? Because, I mean, that takes time. Sometimes you can, like, figure it all out in your head. You can rationalize the shit out of anything. I didn't think my mom... My mom was with him for 17 years. So, uh, I'll tell a little side story. So, when I was 16, 17 years old, my dad came home drunk. My mom was out with friends because she just couldn't stand me around my dad. And my dad was super drunk. And and he'd start shit with me just because he was super confrontational and aggressive when he was drunk. And he'd be like, come upstairs, come talk to me. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. But he'd be like, come upstairs. So I came upstairs and he's just like, come talk to me, come sit by me. I was like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, you're an asshole and I know you're drunk and I don't want to deal with you. He's like, you're a little bitch and all this stuff. And I was like, fuck you, you know? And I like ran down the stairs because I knew he was going to come after me and beat my ass because, you know, I told him to fuck off. So, mm-hmm. I ran in the bathroom and I locked the door <clears throat> and he busted down that door. He's an army vet. Or he was an army vet, by the way. So, his point was, just come up here. I'm going to tell you all about you and you should take it. Mm-hmm. That's how it would have, like, been better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just make me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. Because he had no boundaries. Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what boundaries were. Hmm. he didn't care so but uh yeah he busted down the door and he hit me and he punched the shower door and it was like glass he almost shattered it and he tried to hit me and i ducked and i like went under his arm and i like ran out and i ran out the back door into the alleyway and my neighbor who i lived with briefly after that heard us yelling at each other from outside because he's like if you run away you're never coming back i was like i'm never coming back and that's i didn't I didn't. Um, he actually chased me down the alleyway, and my neighbor heard all the commotion and tackled him to the ground. This short, old Air Force vet tackled my big six foot two dad off the ground. I was actually kind of impressed. Yeah. Um, and I ran and hid in a bush, and I called my mom, and I said, Mom, this happened. Like, are you, when are you going to leave him? And she was on the phone. She's like, I'm going to leave him now. How old were you? Uh, 16, 17. Mm around there did she leave him yes she did oh nice yes she did um that was the the breaking point i think she i think she knew for a while that he had problems but i think her her explanation to me was she wanted to keep the family together she couldn't afford the house by herself she couldn't afford to take care of two kids on her own and that's all true yeah i mean it's it is super hard 
and for that's sure. what's fucked. Yeah. yeah, right. It's like financial abuse mm. or financial like holding. Because you want to leave, and you're like, and you don't want to like yeah. reach out to your family because you don't want to tell them what's going down. Yeah. So you want to do it on your own, and it's really hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that sucks. It is. I'm a single mom myself, and. I just. I'm glad she did. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Yeah, because some people wouldn't be no. that, like some people even are, that brave to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I'm really proud of her for it. And did he take it okay, or did he come oh. after? <laughs> God no, it was horrible. So no, that was a nightmare, and you that's part of the that. reason why mm. I was never home those last few years because. Um, he got a job out of state, working out of state, but when he was home, he would stay on the couch at our house because they owned the house, so they were trying to sell it, divorce. You know, the whole process is an, a freaking nightmare, and there's kids involved. Yeah. It's just a nightmare, um, and it takes time. So, yeah, I, I basically would stay somewhere else when he was in town, and mainly even if he wasn't, just because that house just gave me PTSD, so... Um. Yeah, it was it was just not good. He would like he was still drinking. He never stopped drinking. It actually, got worse as I got older. Mm-hmm. So, um, is he still here? No. So he passed away in September second, two thousand sixteen. Today is September second, two thousand twenty. So four years. How old was he? He was forty nine. Oh my. God. 49. Wow. From alcoholism. Yeah. So he lived in California for the last few years of his life with his girlfriend. Did you have contact? The last year and a half of his life, no. I got pregnant with my son and I was like, hey, we're toxic for each other. We feed off each other. You make me want to like do drugs and I make you drink. And I just. He wasn't sober though, was he? Never. 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 Um, And neither was I until, you know, I got clean and I got pregnant. So. But yeah, the last year and half his life didn't talk to him at all, and uh, he came back. Actually, came back to Nampa because he wanted to fix things with everybody and just move back here and start over. Mm-hmm. And the doctors told him before he left in California, he said, "You keep drinking the way you do, you're gonna get a heart attack and you're gonna die." Because he was bloated, he was red. It was he, like super obvious. Yeah, Something bad's going down. Yes, and. Um, he, yeah mm. yeah he checked into a i think it was the shiloh inn off the freeway and he just that drank. place looks it's amazing a, nice. oh that place like, it's nice. you're fucking that holiday inn shit <laughs> for real i mean they call it an inn but it's a way out yeah. <laughs> it's not fit for jesus <laughs> it's not it's disgusting and i've stayed in that hotel too and i was yeah. a tweaker so i know we've heard <laughs> it's nasty that's yeah. where the uh job core kids yeah. go oh, on the yeah. weekends when they get they out. fucking rent a room for 20 people and they destroy it yeah oh, and, just and then they're like peace my out. son was in job core so yeah. we know oh, this stuff shit. That's like, crazy. when they weren't sucks. staying in ditches remember yeah. the ditch story when they stayed the night in a they ditch they thought that was cool yeah. it's like we're hanging out in a ditch and we're like you're rad what the yeah. fuck is this we haven't like, done that shit in a nice bed. like at least in your car yeah. right. right they're living their best life they're renegades yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's Shiloh funny. in Shiloh. oh god okay, so. please 
<laughs> and the hotel across the street is not much better. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. It sucks. What is that? Is that the roadway? <laughs> yeah, they all yeah, suck ass. Something. Hashtag Nampa hotels suck ass. <laughs> yeah. Right? They call them ends, but they're not. They're, they're, there's no end. No, like I want to weigh out once I check in. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's <laughs> not. No. How did you feel when your dad passed away four years ago Ugh. to the day? Dude, okay. I had my. Like, were you ready for it? I didn't know because I wasn't talking to him. I just thought, oh, he's just going to do this the rest of his life till he's old and gray and then he'll die, whatever. Did you want to have a relationship? I, yeah, of course. That man stepped up and raised me when my real dad didn't. And um, he, you know, he had Even a lot though. of issues, but he always provided for us. He was a hard worker. He was funny as hell. And when he was sober, he was the most giving person ever. He'd give his shirt off the back for anybody. He was protective. He defended the home. He was a good person when he was sober. And I actually really admired him. I was actually like a daddy's girl. So to go through all that um, as a teenager and a child, the way he treated me with his, all of his demons, his problems, and then escalate to this where I can't even talk to my own father anymore. It was really heartbreaking and really hard for me. And it fucked me up. I'm not going to lie. It did. Um, I remember the call because I just got off work at St. Al's. That's where I was working with CNA. Just got the job there. My son was four or five months old. Single mom. Living my best life. Doing really good. And I get a call from my mom and she's like, I don't know how you're going to take this, but I just want to let so you know. you get the call at work? At, right after work. Oh, I'm literally in my car. at this time? Car. Yeah. You I just got okay. off work. Yeah. So. Uh, well. <laughs> no, no, no. I've so never drank or done drugs or been on drugs while working at St. Alphonsus. So I just want to preface that. Oh, okay. Because I have, I, like I said, I've been clean for over five years. Okay. I gave them four years of my life. So, um. Yeah, I got the call from my mom. She told me because they uh, maid found him dead in his hotel room two days at the Shiloh Inn. Mm-hmm. Oh, maid. Wow. oh my god! They found whiskey bottles all over the room. Wow! Like fifths, just all over the room in his bag, in the bathroom, and in so the bed. Did anything everywhere. happen, or this was his normal life? Just caught up with him. Did something bad happen, and he just went? Let's fucking go. Yeah, I think normal. I think Idaho was a trigger for him. Mm. And the fact that I refused to talk to him and just we were just so done. I was so done with him. And I'm not going to take blame for his choices and what he did and what happened because I think I made a good decision. I don't regret it. I initially when he died, I did. I was like, it's all my fault. I should have just talked to him. Mm-hmm. But I can't live like that. Shit. Yeah. Exactly. Because even if I talk to him, he'd still drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All I'm gonna do is prolong my pain. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not wow. fair. Forty nine. Yeah. Forty nine. Heart attack. So young. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. And to be so. found by a maid—that's like shit from. And die alone. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. like, some that's movie like shit. yeah. It's like podcast shit. <laughs> I mean, like sword and scale. Yeah, like you died in yeah. a motel room, and your maid found you. Yeah, that's yeah. sad. Really, scale, in terms of somebody's murdered. life. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. Forty nine. Sheesh. Mm-hmm. It really does suck. Yeah. So when you first heard this news, were you sad? Were you mad? Or were you like, I don't give a shit? Hey guys, Toasted Marshmallow Adventures now has merch. Go to ToastyMarsh.com and get you some. Um, 
I, to be honest, I was in shock. I, I really didn't know how to react. I had mixed feelings because mm-hmm. at the time I was still like, fuck my dad. He fucked me up in the head, fucked up my life. He was abusive and all this stuff. And then, you know, you start thinking about the good memories in your childhood and the times that this person was good to you and the impact this person had on your life because he raised you. So it was did really... Did you have good memories? I did. Oh, yeah, nice. I had. I did. I mean... I had more bad than good, but with him, but the good ones were really good. <laughs> uh, it, these were more when like I was a little kid. So I didn't, I think maybe I was more naive or not coherent to what he was doing. I don't, I don't know. When I got older, I started seeing more and more how he was acting. So maybe he never was, you know, you question that as well. You're like, was he ever good? But the memories I do have are decent, you know, like he, he was always there for me when I needed him. And this is kind of this is kind of a fucked up like good memory, but I remember I got my first fight in ninth grade and I won. Or I thought I did. I don't know. But I left school and I came home and he was home and I was like he's like, What are you doing at home? And I was like, Well I got a fight. He's like, Did you win? I was like well, I'm not on the floor and I'm here, so probably. And she, he was like, let's go out to lunch. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like a fucked up memory, but he was like mm-hmm. proud of me. So at that time, I was like, oh, he's proud of me. I, it's just like weird, weird little things. Um, but he'd always wanted to do stuff with me and my brother. He always like, let's go on family vacations. Let's go to uh, Lagoon. Let's go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go camping. Let's do all this stuff. So I have memories of, you know those normal memories so and there were times where he was really sweet to my mom that i caught like he'd leave love notes for her when i was a little kid and stuff like that so i do remember that but like i said as i got older i just saw more bad than good mm-hmm. so i i kind of hold on to the good memories because he's dead mm-hmm. i gotta take what i can get oh, yeah to deal with it because if I just look at him in the light of, well, he just did this to me and he was horrible and I start to victimize myself and I don't want that because mm. I'm not perfect either. And he had a really fucked up childhood too. He was in the Gulf War, killed people. Um, he was had an abusive childhood himself. He had very severe PTSD. He was a army veteran. Like he had a lot of issues and that's also why I got into psych because I want to understand why people hurt other people and why people repeat cycles mm-hmm. you know so is this what you fucking know exactly and then you look for it yeah oh i did You're drawn to that yeah the slew of many boyfriends you i have from alcoholism yeah. you draw in alcoholics or addicts yep boom there it is you're yeah. welcome literally every person i've ever dated has been an alcoholic or some kind of addict it yes. doesn't matter Yes. Yeah. Find it. That's yeah. How you do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My dad's an alcoholic. Mm. Or was. Mm. He died last year. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's a, he was uh, 77 and okay. he created havoc on my life for 77 years. So 49. I think, I think it's yeah. actually, from my perspective, mm. it would have been better. Yeah. Just yeah. Be done with it. Like this mm-hmm. bullshit. Yeah. In my life, it would have, it would have been okay. Yeah, he, yeah. my dad actually, when he actually got sober when I was twenty-one, but he lived as an alcoholic. 
he was still like super dry drunk like still did mm. the same asshole thing still fucked with my life mm. still made everything crazy mm. yeah and mm. at, i hadn't talked to him for like four years and then he we get a call from his friend yeah yeah his friend flew into delta junction delta fucking junction (laughs) alaska like we saw moose yeah moose on the the side of the road that's where you're at yeah that's how awesome that was it was was a cool sighting yeah but there was nothing else and we went to the north pole (laughs) really we saw alaska yeah Yeah. nice nice there's a santa claus house house but anyway i feel like in the long run you were given a gift. I really do. Uh, yeah. In a way, because if somebody doesn't change, even if they change and they're uh-huh. still a dick, it's like, I have got nothing to work with. You're still <laughs> yeah. a dick. Right. Like, you're a sober dick. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I don't remember time when he was really sober. I think there was one point in his life that I'm aware of that he was sober and like I said when he was sober he was like awesome he was great like during the the really bad drunken phase like when I was like a teenager adult that's that I can remember because yeah he he was a great person when he was sober that's why it's so unfortunate because it's like if you helped yourself more you could have been cool and we could have dealt with it awesome thing yeah Yeah. he would have been a grandpa you know and he always wanted to be a grandpa 49 are you kidding me that's like 49 my grandma died at 100 so to me like 50 is halfway same yeah Yeah. i'm just like holy shit like but and i saw myself going down that you know that path of alcoholic destruction Mm -hmm. because after i found that out i was just like after the initial shock because i was just kind of like oh well that happened what can I do? Did and then you when go the sh- back to drugs or anything at that point? Uh, no, no. But drinking, yeah. Like I was like, drinking hard, oh, yeah. hard. Before bad. you heard this news, or after? After. Okay. Um, I was doing decent. I was still kind of drinking here and there, but for celebratory reasons or mm. had a rough day or whatever. And then after I found that out, you know, the the shock wore off. I planned the funeral. I planned the majority of the funeral not all of it i like did the playlist and i wrote the eulogy and i spoke at his funeral and we did the flag thing and uh you know we had everybody out there it was a nice funeral but um as funerals go (laughs) as funerals go i don't know how nice they go yeah Oh, come on now, that ain't even bullshit. That's horseshit. <laughs> yeah, funerals are horseshit. It's like, ugh, I hate funerals, but pay pay tribute. Oh shit! What during my dad's funeral? Oh god! Chris <laughs> Adams had okay. a colostomy bag, and this it was is when so all my shit was, and still... it was so awesome because he didn't have control of when his his colostomy bag ford farted. Gas. And oh, no. he totally farted in my dad's funeral. <laughs> and I was like, my dad would have fucking loved so that. <laughs> He's like, oh, shit. And yeah. I was like, it's so, all good. Dude. I never met my him, dad, so I guess it was a tribute. My dad would have thought that was funny. <laughs> like, oh, my Jeez. God. He farted in a funeral, <laughs> dude. <laughs> that was the bullshit. On a, on a plane, like, two days after I got my wound back oh, removed. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. He had Damn. to change his whole ostomy bag on the, on the plane oh, no. yeah because <laughs> oh, i didn't no. really have it down at that no. point and i was like 
I think some bad shit's about to happen. <laughs> Literally. You know how you're like on a plane and you smell farts and Chris and I would look at each other and be like, oh shit, is, is that, that you? Is that you? Yeah. Yeah. You might be farting, dude. And uh, yeah, so Man. I like went to the, yeah, the airplane bathroom and changed my ostomy bag in that little oh, 10 year old no. and i came out and there was like a line i just kind of walked oh. past with my head down like nothing oh. to see here sorry about that yeah sorry ostomy that took 10 bag. minutes just mind your business <laughs> yeah. we're on a plane Let's don't have get control of this shit yeah, <laughs> literally i was about to explode yeah. <laughs> literally yeah. yeah yeah oh my god Sheesh. shit shit but Glad oh, to be alive. Literal shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> literal. Really? Yes. Shit show. Super literally. glad. Because yeah. I, I remember you told me that, and I was like, holy shit, that's insane. It's a crazy story. It like, is. Everyone I tell is shocked around <laughs> this story. It's horrific. Yeah. yeah. Well, when yeah. you lived through the worst of it. Yeah. While I was sedated. It was horrific. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Yeah. I, yeah. I do not sure. recommend it. No. <laughs> horrific. No. no. Um, not for it or, you know, yeah, around no. it. No. Or in she it, yeah. Knowing that week if I was going to live or die. Oh, God. That's just so stressful. Yeah. And heartbreaking. Ugh. Well, glad you're here. Yeah. Glad you're both Me still too. here. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. So where are we at? Uh, so let's go on to the, from that point, I guess at, around 19 to the first the time you started doing, you're like, first time you did a heroin. Oh, heroin? Okay. Um, so got instantly addicted to meth and then I moved to my own place and then I met another girl who was a crackhead too. So it just my drug addiction, not worse, yada, yada. Um, lost my job, lost my apartment, was living out of my car, uh, just doing meth every day, every day, smoking it, living snorting in it. Your car? Living in my car, mountain homes, homeless in mountain home. I was 19, 20 years old. Okay. Um, and so it got to the point where I was like, I need help. And my family or my mom at that point knew that I was on drugs because she was like, you're being weird. Like you're asking for money all the time. Like what is going on? And she found out, you know? Oh, yeah. And so... She was like, well, you're going to move to Arizona with your cousin and you're going to get clean and all that stuff. I was like, okay, whatever. And uh, so I moved to Arizona and I lived with my cousin and I like detox there. Basically, I like sleep there for like two weeks, mm-hmm. sleeping and eating and babysitting her daughter. My cousin was an alcoholic and did drugs. So I was just kind of like, what am I doing here? I'm a glorified babysitter. And I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go get high. So I, I had a, I convinced a friend to buy me a bus ticket back to Idaho. Okay. Got it. Left. Because mm-hmm. my cousin was drunk one time. Gave me 50 bucks. So he said 50 bucks to get a taxi to the Greyhound bus station in Surprise, Arizona to Phoenix. Greyhound. And classy. It was super classy. <laughs> Took a Greyhound back to Idaho from Arizona. Woke up in Las Vegas. Went to Los Angeles. Went to Twin Falls. And I was back in Napa. Who was greeting me there when I got there? The couple that got me into shooting up math. Wow. So this girl I was friends with since like sixth grade and her mom was an addict to math and she was and i was talking to her you know because we stayed friends she's like oh you should come stay with me and live with me and all this stuff and i was like i hear you struggling you're homeless i'm like okay and between this time i was like living with my grandma and my mom kind of and then her but i ended up living with her because you know she had drugs and i started doing meth again and i remember i was smoking in her garage and she was like, hey, do you mind if I, like, shoot up? I was like, 
do what do you want to do i'm gonna smoke this meth like go ahead she's like oh thanks because i bought a bag i split it with her and then i was still dating this girl that i met from mountain home but she moved to california to try to get clean that didn't work out that didn't work out for me then i found out she cheated on me one day and i went up to my friend i was like i want to shoot up i'm done I was up for a couple days a little delusional but you had never shot up before no when you was like i want to shoot up and i remember that day because she was like are you sure i was like yep loaded up and then there was another girl at the it was like a crack house and i remember the girl there they were both junkies and she was like she's like i don't think you should do it and i was like well i'm doing it she's like i don't think you should it's gonna ruin your life i was like my life's already ruined so let's just make it worse i guess so uh she shot me up most i even me talking about it or thinking about it i start sweating and i get and it never's left me and i haven't shot up in over five years and i still like Mm-hmm. get the like rush yeah it's crazy i had i still have using dreams of me shooting up there it's so real i'll wake well, I up i think so because they're like cutting off i mean you see it right mm-hmm. it's going in it's the whole thing yeah it's not just the drug itself it's the no, whole process, it's the whole process. Mm-hmm. and it's and it's because you're like you know i'm getting my fix so the whole process is like habitual and it contributes to that yeah. rush yeah so uh shot me up and i was instantly like let's keep going and just roller coaster roller coaster i all of a sudden i'm living in this crack house and we're finding ways to make money and i know some i dated some weird dudes okay and we're trying to make some money and this weird dude I, that i knew that was super obsessed with me and i needed money and I was like, hey, I need money. I'm like homeless, whatever. He's like, oh, I'll give you money, but you have to do something for me. And I was like, what? He, and this dude was like into feet. <laughs> He's like, you send me pictures of your feet with you and your friend. I'll give you 250 bucks. I was like, done. So what, easy. It's just feet? <laughs> yeah. Just like pictures of our feet, us posing with our huh. feet being the main, you know, focal point. Us putting our feet like next to each other's her feet against my feet, just weird shit. And I made two hundred fifty bucks. I sent him the photos. I was like, "Bring my money," and he did. And we got more drugs. And um, and then I started selling meth. And uh, I was like trucking meth from Nampa to Mountain Home, mm-hmm. like half pound meth mm-hmm. in my freaking car, selling it over there because I knew Never a lot of people power. do. No. Never. Wow. Now, were you uh, were you a successful meth dealer, or were you doing more than you were selling? So I was a break even. Oh, break even, break okay. even kind of gal. So you were um, selling to use. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Yep, I would do half of my stash, what I got, and then I'd sell enough to cover what I borrowed because I didn't want to fuck with that. I did not want to be in debt to anybody because I was getting it straight from the source. And I don't want to fuck with that. I don't know who they're affiliated with, whether it's biker gang, most likely. They were white, so most likely. Um, and I don't want to fuck with that. Um, I didn't want to fuck with the cartel. Um, so I made sure I paid what I owed, and then I fucked off. So um, I, I did that for a while, and then um, I went back to Mountain Home, and the girl that I was seeing moved back to Mountain Home, so I stayed with her, and we were homeless again mountain home and then i just lost my mind because i was doing so much math that i finally called my mom and i was like i'm ready to get some help 
so I went to a detox center. I went mm-hmm. to Allen Ball House, actually detoxed. Okay. And then How I, old were you? I was 20, 21, around there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around there. I went to Allen Ball, detoxed there for 10 days, and then I went to Port of Hope in Nampa for the 30-day program, which is actually around this time that we're in right now. It was around the time that I was in that program. Mm-hmm. Um, I was oh, on a bunch... It. I it is the most I vouch for Porto Hope their program they put up with bullshit they are old school did you try yes oh. I did I really wanted to get clean um then what but, was the bullshit if you really wanted to get clean no I said no bullshit oh. yeah no bullshit oh. they were no bullshit they didn't let you fuck around they didn't let you veer off from your program they didn't let you you know be inappropriate or like you know do the stupid behaviors we do exactly they called you out on your shit yeah they're like listen you're here to get clean and that's what we're doing it's a program yeah and uh how come you heard it this time how come how come you why were you ready oh i can tell you that moment so i was homeless we're with my ex-girlfriend we were staying at this random dude's house who's super creepy and i was shooting up so much and I couldn't sleep and it was hot. There was no AC. And <laughs> I was just so skinny and just coming down so hard. And I actually woke up. Like, I think I fell asleep for like 10 minutes and I woke up and I thought I was dead. You thought you were? I thought I was dead. That's how long I was up and coming down so hard. I thought I was dead. I woke up, woke up, and I was like, I'm dead. And I was like, looking at myself from down. Mm-hmm. laying in this dingy mattress in this dingy apartment in mountain home idaho Fucking covered in jizz <laughs> seriously it probably. was i'm yeah. sure probably like, don't put a flashlight on for shit. <laughs> right yeah probably like, that mattress needles <laughs> everywhere just like just like <laughs> i'm dead like not included and when i made that realization that i was dead it wasn't like oh i'm physically dead no i'm dead inside and if I keep doing this, I'm going to just be dead, 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 dead. And I was like, okay, it's time. Because my at this point, my mom cut off all contact with me. She's like, you can call me when you're ready to get help. I'm not helping you anymore. I'm oh, not dealing with your bullshit. Good. Yes. Because most parents, like, carry it on. And it's it's, it's, so at that time, you went to Port of Hope. Was that the last time? Or? No. Okay. No. I'm an addict now. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's normal. First yeah. time, like, okay, For get sure. the swing of things, like, mm-hmm. and then we'll just go back and see how we can, like, do it the next time. Yeah. We'll right. I mean, you this get, way. You get, yeah. Yeah. Well, well just, I mean, relapse is a part of recovery. The fact that yeah. I realized I had a problem and I I genuinely wanted help for it. And I also knew... That's huge at that age. Yeah. It's unusual. Yeah. Like it's not, it wasn't until I was 30 where I was like, oh, shit, I'm a person. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Right. Like, I was like, oh, right. I actually... Shit happens when I do things. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, what were you, 26 or 27? Right now, yeah. I'm 27. No. Oh, okay. So, but. before that, you got... Sober. Yeah, I was like yeah. twenty twenty one. Yeah, so around there. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, to not like carry down like your dad did till forty nine. Right. I did. That's exactly why I was like, I don't want to end up like my dad. I don't want to be another statistic, and I don't want to die. Yeah. I'm too young. 
you know and yeah. I, I felt like i had a, a much bigger purpose but at the time i felt like i didn't have one mm-hmm. that was the missing like void in my life too i had a dark cloud always following me i would just been through so much trauma at that time that i was just kind of like what's the fucking point because my whole life is pain or i thought so you know because mm-hmm. it can be a little over traumatic but that's how I felt inside. So when you feel that way inside, you do things to help numb the pain, you know? And when you're that young, you don't really know how to deal with it. And when you don't really know how to talk about it, or it's a big emotional, like, exhaustion to talk about it, what do you do? You do drugs and alcohol and do stupid yeah. shit. So that's what I did. And I went to Port of Hope. I halfway through i was on a bunch of psych meds that i probably shouldn't have been on because they thought i had like schizoaffective disorder because they diagnosed me at allenball with schizoaffective disorder major anxiety major depression and ptsd Mm -hmm. they put me on halidol well i got overdosed on halidol at the rehab on accident um and then i don't know halfway through the program i i did i was hearing and seeing things i think it was post-acute withdrawal symptoms after the initial you know detox from meth which happens and um i just wanted to kill myself so i went into my room after group and we had like a fan in the room the cord and i wrapped it around my neck and this i is that allen ball house this is at port of hope oh port of hope yeah halfway through my rehab and i put my back up against the door and i wrapped the cord around my neck and i squeezed it until I passed out and my roommate saw me disappear from the group during smoke break so she went to check on me because I didn't talk to nobody I just disappeared I was trying Mm. I like wanted to go you know I wanted to leave but she saw me leave quietly and she went check on me and she saw that I blocked the door with my body because she couldn't open the door obviously Mm -hmm. and she kicked the freaking door down and I fell over because I was passed out at this point and the cord loosened and I woke up mm-hmm. and she was like what the fuck and I was like I remember yelling at her I was like what the fuck I was like why'd you do that because I, I didn't want to be here anymore I didn't yeah um and those are different stories this too. is why you are trying to get help yeah I was like trying and then it just got so hard at the time for me that I was just like I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to fight anymore I don't want to reflect on myself anymore I want to like relive my pain That's anymore what sucks is every time you go to like a, a counselor you have to like start at the beginning you're like right are you serious <laughs> like this is okay when I was nine <laughs> right <laughs> right I mean? yeah it's like start and I still have to do that it sucks yeah I got used to that but fast forward to when i started doing heroin so after that friend and i living together didn't work out uh i finally kind of got my shit together and i got a job at the dollar store my mom helped me buy a car Mm. or no 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 i started working at the dollar store my mom helped me find a room for rent not a car yet Mm -hmm. and uh i met this guy who is the biological father of my son now we don't we're we i haven't talked to him in years but anyway uh i met him i was i was on meth working there sorry suzanne so this was the was this the dollar tree yeah dollar tree okay dollar tree um and 
Oh, in what like, city? Here in Nampa. Oh, oh yeah. It's only two dollar trees in Nampa. So People at the Dollar Tree love my hair. They do. Yeah, you always get <laughs> Dollar Tree. I'm like, fuck yeah, Dollar Tree. <laughs> I'm going there for compliments. Hair shit. No, I'm. I'm like trying to go incognito. Oh, are you yeah. like and, Like you don't know me. We haven't yeah. seen each other before. And they're like, I love your hair. And I'm like, oh, oh my god. god. Okay. And there's some weird folks working at the Dollar Tree. Oh, for There's real. One woman. She's super awesome, though. She has no voice. Really? One like that doesn't zero. have a voice. She's mute. She's oh. at this Dollar Tree. Holy really? shit! Like, yeah, can't it's, talk at I all. No, I mean she's missing her shit. Oh, she's got that little Shit's missing. Does she have throat, thing? throat thing. No, she doesn't oh, put a thing to it. Die, but she like oh. squeaks, and I'm like, okay, you're okay. cool. Yeah, I can totally like relate. I know some shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I understand <laughs> you. I'm not gonna treat you like asshole. Oh, that's good. Hey guys, Toasted Marshmallow Adventures now has merch. Go to ToastyMarsh.com and get you some. I know. Okay, I let's felt, move on. No, let's, let's talk about. <laughs> let's let's talk about. Let's talk about oh, fucking driving. Uh, let's no, let's, not. Let's talk about driving in Nampa because it's a fucking shit show. Oh, There's way is. too it many is. of us. Like, stop having children. Yeah. <laughs> All of you. Like, if you're of home. childbearing age, don't do it. I, one and done. We don't, no. we don't have done. roads for you exactly. people. Exactly. One and done. Be like China. Yeah. Like that's it. Good. You're good. Shine. That was it. You're out. <laughs> Peace out, people. Because there's too many fucking people in Nampa. Oh my god. There is. There yeah. is. I haven't and Boise. I'm like, what yeah, happened? It's, it's what happened much. last five years? It wasn't cool. It's not. There was a time in like 1993 when I was living here. And <laughs> That's when I was born. We, oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> it was a well, good time. I was driving in I was driving to Boise. <laughs> yeah. And on I-184. There were cows. And yeah. There were like three of us, and we stopped, and we were on the fucking on the freeway. Oh my God, no, I love that. On the fucking freeway near Nampa. Yeah. And cows the cows the came out, and we we're like, oh, fuck, there's cows. On the freeway. And somebody like took them away, and we we're like, oh, shit, we can go faster. But there were like three great. of us. At like, what, what time do I depart the house? It must have been 11. Yeah. I don't leave anywhere early. No. So like cows at 11. 11 and now you're all fucking dicks there's too yeah. many of us like yeah. all all the people that came in should just like go somewhere else yeah they gotta go somewhere <laughs> but don't go where we're yeah, not to no. idaho that's why we want to move out of here kind we of well one of i don't reasons. blame you it's getting yeah. bad it, it is getting i'm worse seeing it here. yeah i mean a lot of dicks they except for the, in the mountains yeah yeah. Yeah. There was get this the one guy go today going thirty five and then fifty five and I was like, I get it, dude, you're cool. Oh my god, <laughs> fucking dick at the same yeah, time. Somewhere like to be, man. To get yeah. Somewhere. Got somewhere to be. He was oh in that god. car that would go ooga ooga. Oh. And you're like, That's cool, oh, but I'm fucking late. Yeah. yeah right. Oh, Seriously. God. This was Nampa twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Cut a lot. Times have changed. Yeah. Especially this year. Yeah. This oh my year's God. Ridiculous. This year God. sucks. Oh, Last year sucked. And this year sucks. Yeah. It's yeah. Just progressively Two getting years. worse. Lots of suck. Lots yeah. of suck. Yes. But I don't know. I feel like right now life is pretty awesome. Really? I mean, in a Considering, sense. Considering, yeah. I mean, compared to a year ago. Mm. 
No, I'm not all right. there. All right. Oh, I mean, yeah, there are. <laughs> I mean, you're not in the hospital, but it, I'm still. There. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I look at Twitter and I'm like, life sucks. Oh, well, if you look at Twitter. Social media is just depressing. It <laughs> really is. Like, mm, no. There's so much misinformation right now, too. It's crazy. So I feel like so. the hashtag should be don't be a dick. Yeah, I feel like that the board. Just should be, be nice. Don't be a what fucking so dick. Yeah, should be stop hashtag. it. Really, a freaking drug dealer, and I'm telling you, There's so many. Just be nice. Like is, I don't feel like it's that argue? hard. It's don't it's be a not. Dick. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not for the three of us, but like <laughs> right. everybody outside of this house or yeah. on the internet, especially. Dicks. Yes. I'm like, you Lots got big of, balls, bro. You think you would say that to my face in real life? Probably not. It's a lot of Probably not. There. I can fucking say don't be a dick to your face. Yeah. I, yeah, I'll just do the heroin story real quick and then the kind of wrap up the conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, only did heroin a couple times, but... Uh, did you actually ever, like, want to do heroin? Because I feel yes. like... Yes. Oh, did you? I did. Because, like, my line was always like... Anything IV or heroin, based on what I heard. I just didn't give a fuck. I I so was on a road going down. Line. Not really, no. I mean, I I did have morals and things like, like I said. I never stole from people or like I never hurt anybody that didn't deserve it. You know what I mean? Um. <laughs> so it. <clears throat> But when it came to me and the choices I did for myself or did to myself, I didn't give a shit because I didn't give a shit about me. I didn't have, at the time, I didn't have a purpose. I, Is that because of how you were raised? Yeah. It totally was. Yeah. Do you think it was more like how you we were raised versus genetics? So like more environmental influence wow. for sure. Yeah. Cause I, like I said, I looked at my dad and my dad broke me down my whole life and I didn't realize he said you were shit. You're a bitch. You're worthless. Yeah. You need to, you're not doing it right. You're not. And he, good enough. what was he? Seriously. Right. What was he? He was just spewing what was spewed to him as a child or whatever. But he wasn't some great thing. No. Where you, we would be like, oh. No. No. He, like, he was a good person, and he had a really good work ethic. I did get my work ethic from my dad. I worked my ass off, and I've worked my ass off my whole life. That's how I am. Yeah, and those yeah. are good things that I can take, but I'm like, I'm going to take credit take for that. Do you take that? Do you take that from him? Yes. You do. Well, wow. my mom, too. My mom works her ass off, too. So, both of them. So, I got, you know, double influence of work ethic, but... You know, I, I what I wanted to do differently from what he did was break the cycle. Yeah. You know, because I don't, I don't. Well. Actually, yeah, you should break the cycle. Yeah. I think we all should break the cycle on certain things because our parents weren't perfect. We're not mm -hmm. perfect. But I think realizing that. <laughs> Being self-actual, having self-realizations and seeing patterns and seeing what was done unto us. You don't want to do that to your own kids. And sometimes you do. Some, I've made mistakes. Somebody get too angry. I mean, mistakes are like... Right. You didn't fuck them up for life. Right. That's what happened to you and I. Yeah. But we're not fucked. Sometimes, sometimes I'm like, I'm kind of fucked at the head, but we're not fucked. 
because the fact that we see it and we care like your response right now tells me that you care that you don't want that that you see it our parents or whoever did this to us they didn't or they deny it you know or they're ignorant to it or it's too late it's It's not too late. late i feel like as long as you're breathing it's never too late i know but yeah like my dad yeah he he never got it. He never fucking got it. My my dad either. So I get that. And so I just I almost feel like his life was a waste. Yeah. Like I I almost feel like yeah. there's so many of us so we should like the point should be like we experience something. I don't think my dad experienced shit. Yeah. He, like, died in Delta Junction on a fucking futon. Yeah. Mm. Kind of went from one addiction to another. mm -hmm. It's fucking... I mean, as far as, like, how you're gonna go, it fucking sucks. It's glamorous. (laughs) super sucks. Mm -hmm. Like, you and I couldn't even stay there. It fucking reeked of, like, dog piss. And, like, that's where my dad died at 77, like a fucking alcohol. He was sober. He was still smoking, and she made him smoke on the back patio yeah and i feel like at that point like fucking go for it like joe camel you're all in like (laughs) fucking do it yeah you have cancer like fucking and uh like i I texted his wife and i was like give him morphine like or give him vodka his thing was whiskey honestly like Mm, my dad she's like oh he's He's dying. I'm like, fucking go for it. Yeah, yeah. he is there. I don't even like him and fucking go all in. Uh, like, but, fucking. At that point, it's like, fuck. Who yeah, gives a shit? Yeah. He's dying. Like, He's almost dead. Die happy. Yeah. yeah. Like, he should smoke. He should drink. Like, yeah. you're a f- yeah. yeah. So I hope you're okay with how shit went down. Because it's, I, I feel like at my age, it's hard. Like, because you don't decide it. You didn't decide any no. of the shit. No. You didn't decide how you were raised. And no. then they fucking die. And you're like, oh, great. I'm left with that. Right. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. I could tell you the first year of his passing was so many ups and downs. Yeah. Like, you think about everything. You think about your childhood. You think about how they treated you. you. About, like, and there's you anger. Are. Yeah. Like, oh, I came from this. Great. And they were shit, or you think that way when you're in anger, and then you're like, am I shit? You yeah. know, it's just like you question everything. You question your whole life. You question your childhood. Everything. You question, like, the like, what you the value of that? their parenting. Yeah. And you think about all the bad shit they did to you, and you think about all the good stuff just to try to cope with it. And it's just this complicated up and down roller coaster. And the first year, and the, the thing with grief is, it's, it's, really interesting because like my dad's been dead for four years some year like one year i'm like okay that's cool i accepted it i'm at peace with it and then the next year i'm like i'm not okay yeah like Mm -hmm. this is like and it's a a date like his death date or his birthday or father's day i'm like i'm not okay like last year I, i call my friends i was like i'm not okay like this is my dad's death anniversary like please come over i can't deal with it yeah and I drank myself to sleep, I ain't gonna lie. But this year, and like maybe two years ago, I was just like, 
we're going to breathe. We're going to get through this day. And we're going to be positive and calm and, and accepting of it. And, and that's the way it is. he did. Yes. So no, it is definitely a roller coaster. Grief is a roller coaster. Like my whole fucking thing is don't fuck up people. The way he yeah. fucked up me. Yeah. You know. For sure. I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. We're, yeah. I get yeah. it. It sucks. And it hurts. It hurts like hell. Yes. It hurts like hell. And honestly, it affects your shit. Yeah. Like going forward in a way that you wouldn't think. Yeah. It'll hit you. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, oh. It's in waves. That's my dad. Yeah. And he's gone. Yeah. He's not even here. Well, I've noticed, I I'd noticed that like after your dad passed, even the feelings you had for your dad, you were still just really sad. After he passed in yep. the hard times. Well, I mean, I don't feel like the same sad as with yeah, my mom. I mean, it's it was like yeah. unresolved. Yeah, like, exactly. Yes. Like you're never fucking coming back. Okay, well, that I works for you, but I'm still here. Dick. We yeah. never got to squash anything. We never no. got to talk. We never. And yeah. honestly, we had a chance to go back before my dad died, mm-hmm. and I didn't see a point because what are we going to rehash? Like 20 years of shit, and then you die, and I'm like, no, I'm not fucking doing that. So we actually ended up being there the day after you died. Yeah. Oh, shit. The day after. Which I feel like was awesome, honestly, because he had lost... What sixty? I think a lot of weight. Wow, exactly. But he had cancer. I didn't know for ten years, so that's how close we were. And I'm an only child, and all the bullshit. And yeah, I I, my goal is not to like extend that. I don't want to give that to Peyton or Brannigan or Mm -mm. right. Yeah, like yeah, give the the bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I'm a four year old son. Yeah, I feel you on that. I don't want to see my kid grow up, mm-hmm. you know, drinking and numb pain or sh- putting a, a needle like in his vein. Drink, just fucking go for it. But <laughs> like, don't be don't, like, because you're in pain. Yeah. Right. Because well, you yeah. want to, and it's like, fuck. I, I just, yeah. Hmm. I don't, you don't want to he see might. kids. Yeah. And I have to think about that too and, and kind of prepare in that way too, because it's very likely. You know, it pro- yeah, it's very likely. Unfortunately, it yeah. probably is. I feel oh. like, I mean, even if I went through the whole like bachelor's um, addictions thing, mm-hmm. but I like some people were like, oh, it's genetic. Some people are like, oh, it's familial. It's both. I feel like mm-hmm. it is. It's yeah, both. and and there's different amounts of each mm-hmm. so like i yeah. could take some shit and you'd be fine with or the vice versa mm-hmm. but i could totally implode with some stuff and you'd be fine and mm-hmm. uh, but it totally fucks your life up yeah. it does. totally fucks your like in a way that you can't even almost explain so i have friends now where i'm like shit's going down and I won't um, tell. I don't. I don't tell the details. Yeah. Like with Kathy and Leanne, because mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, shit's been bad for a while. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. are you like that, or do you like? Are you okay with like sharing your shit that's bad? Because I, I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have just talked to so many therapists, and <laughs> it's been. I'm kind of an open book. 
um, when it's appropriate, you know. So you do you have really close close friends? I do. Yeah. That you can share your shit with. Yeah, for the most part. Um, if it's my past, it's been a few years. I can talk to it with really anybody if they want to listen or if it's appropriate. Anybody? Yeah, I'm pretty open book. Um, I'm not going to like go out just to talk about my story, you know, but if it's a conversation naturally evolving into that, I'll share because I want to relate to people and it's therapeutic for me and it's therapeutic, I feel like for others. So I feel like I bond with people through my drama and theirs because they open up to me too. I like that. That that keeps me going because I'm like, I could share my pain with others. It could be a random person or a coworker or a friend. And then they share a little piece of themselves with me. And we have that moment. And that means the world to me because it makes me feel less alone. What, how old were you when you first, the first time you did heroin? You said you only done it a few times? Yeah. Uh, okay. I thought that was your big addiction. It no, mine was a, meth. It was meth. Meth. Okay. Uh, I, so I did heroin for the first time, I think it was 22. Okay. Um, this was after you were, went to Port of Hope. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got in a fight with my then boyfriend, who was the biological father of my son. Mm-hmm. I got drunk when I drove to my dealer's house, and he had heroin. So he didn't have meth. I wanted meth, but he had heroin. I was like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. And I did it. I hated it. I, <laughs> I hated it. I you threw like it up. The first time? No. Oh, really? Wow. It was nasty black tar heroin. I got really sick. I threw up. Uh, yeah, but I kept, I did it a couple more times because it was there, you know. Now, black tar heroin, I've only heard the term because I've never done heroin in my life. Is that like the dirty shit? Uh, yeah, so like heroin is like, it looks like tar. Mm-hmm. Or you get the good shit, the white shit, but that's, you can't find that in Idaho. But black tar heroin, it looks like tar. It's really sticky. You melt it down on a spoon, whatever. Um it's not that great (laughs) makes you sick especially if it's like you're not used to like opiates or you know because i was always like i said my drug of choice was meth so i was always like stimulant stimulants Mm -hmm. amphetamines like i always wanted to be up and heroin's like downer so um when i did i got i just got really sick but i kept doing it was it it. just to get you through like a withdrawal or what i just did it because i was got in front of my boyfriend i was drunk and i just wanted to get high because i was upset yeah and i did it and then i went on a like a runner for like three days and i was shooting up heroin and meth i was at a hotel party in caldwell <laughs> with a bunch of junkies and a prostitute and a pimp and we were just <laughs> seriously this Jeez. shit happens in Idaho. like um we we're just shooting on meth and heroin and um Jeez. then i was like i don't want to do this anymore and uh i got clean for two weeks and then i found i was pregnant and i haven't touched that shit since been and that was what, what year 2014 or 15 15 because it's 2020 okay and i've been clean for five years nice my son saved my life and just being done with that lifestyle it was dangerous did you go into a program at that point or you just nope i quit cold turkey and i haven't touched that shit since wow so now what's it like say like when you go and work on new start which is for those of you that don't know a drug and alcohol recovery program where we work um (laughs) it's interesting because Addicts are manipulative, mm-hmm. and they'll try to get away with anything they can get away with that they want to do, because yeah. we're just entitled people. 
Yeah. <laughs> we act like children, but we're in adult bodies. And coming on the other side, taking care of these people, watching and observing these people, uh, I just see things that I've tried to do when I was in rehab or mm. trying to get off drugs. And so you kind of have to call them out. You have to. Yeah. Because if you let, sh- especially with an addict, if you let shit slide, they will keep doing it. Yeah. And it could be the smallest thing. It could be sneaking food. It could be being inappropriate with one another. It could be, you know, this door needs to stay open and yeah. they're shutting it. Yeah. It could be, oh, you know, eating more, eating extra food. It, it Just little shit. Because that builds up into, well, you know what? I'm getting away with this. I'm going to get away with shooting up heroin again. I'm going to get away with lying to my family. I'm going to get away with yeah. whatever because it's allowing to happen. You have to teach them to hold themselves accountable by being, uh, holding them accountable. Mm. It's literally raising a child again. Do you ever see yourself in any of them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oops. Uh, the, uh, you get lonely in rehab. Mm. <laughs> I get that. Uh, this rehab is co-ed. So I get that. Uh, you get lonely and you want company and you want to feel special and you want to feel love because, you know, obviously you're an addict. You don't love yourself. You're putting a needle in your arm. So mm-hmm. you're trying to do better and you're, but you're lonely through that process. And a lot of addicts have codependency issues or have, you know, sex issues or whatever yeah. relationship issues. And so, uh, you know, uh, just being inappropriate. I, I get that because I was lonely. I didn't want to be alone but you some shit you have to do on your own you need to be alone you need to feel the pain of being alone you need to break a cycle of codependency because codependency is addiction as well and it often goes hand in hand with drug and alcohol addicts so um that things like that and just like pushing boundaries and pushing limits what can i get away with totally and so that's why if i ever work on that unit i'm like listen this isn't no and I, if you want to think I'm an asshole, if you want to uh, think I'm not the cool yeah. person in my rehab program that's watching over me, I don't care. It's not going to hurt yeah. my feelings if you don't like me. But you will respect me and you will be held accountable. And trust me, those people that are extra anal on you, it's because they care. Mm. How important is structure and rehab? Very important. Very important. How Routine. So? Uh well, when you're an addict and you're out there doing your thing, there's no structure. You are doing whatever you want. You are living recklessly and dangerously. Structure brings stability. You need stability. Human, All, all humans need structure and stability to function in society. Yeah. And addicts don't have that yeah. when they are out and using. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it alienates them from being a functioning member of society and being stable and having a, a stable life. Yeah. So it's very important, especially in rehab. It's crucial. You need to get up at this time. You need to go to your groups at this time. You need to do your work. You need to hold yourself accountable. You need to listen to what you're being told within the program. You need to follow the rules because it's going to help you in the end if you really want to get clean you really want to get your life together you need to do what the program entails that's that's the only way you can be effective and yeah if they might go out and relapse again and that's just the disease of addiction um but i could tell you from experience being in rehab myself if i did not go to rehab i'd be dead right now so i learned a lot of things even through the tough times during my rehab stay and i 
don't regret it at all. I'm glad I went. I'm it saved my life. Even if, yeah. even though I did relapse afterwards, I think just for conclusion, because I have to go back to my child. Um, yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize what time it was. Yeah. Um, I think in conclusion, I I wanted to share my drug history and what I went through and getting clean and staying clean because I want to know. I want people to know that there are other people out there uh, that have been through all the bullshit and all the trauma and have come out alive Mm -hmm. and happy and have built you know stable lives for myself because i have a bachelor's degree now i have a good job i have a four-year-old son that i love i have a really good relationship with uh the man that i'm with right now and i have really good friends and really good relationships with my family like you you can recover and you can build a good life for yourself and you can overcome the shit that you've been through in the past and I'm just one of those examples of it. So if my story helps anybody, um, I know it's kind of sound like I was war storing a little bit here and there. <laughs> um, just to give context, yeah. um, but just to kind of show like I've done them all. I've done yeah. all the drugs and I've done all, seen all the things and I've done all the things. Hey guys, Toasted Marshmallow Adventures now has merch. Go to ToastyMarsh.com and get you some.